Susan Felth, the Citizen Kane of podcasting. Modern man is confronted with so many movies. Which ones are films? And which ones are filth? There we, Wait, go. I don't, there we go. I don't consent to this. I mean, mm. I mean there we go. Griswold would know what we look like in the future, but he can't tell us because he's dead. That's mm, true. Right. Yeah. The spirit of Criswell. He lives within you. I wonder if he you. saw that coming. <laughs> spirit of Criswell lives Probably. within you. Um, mm. Mm. And oh, we didn't, with you. we didn't think about how to start this. It's Luke starts things. Uh, um. <laughs> does, he do that, does he do that movie anime uh, or the, the the thing uh where he does the narrator or whatever to describe the plot like he does on the sci-fi oh oh no well, he does a number yeah he does a number on this one but this one has but no we number. don't even have yeah we've we've completely failed to anticipate how oh, well, it's number um, 69 Okay, I've decided this is the podcast. We're already rolling. That was the intro. Uh, if anyone's wondering, okay. this is Films and Filth. Uh, Matt is here. Mark's here. Playing the role of Luke today is Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hi. You were here for The Human Centipede 2. Now you're here for, for Plan 9. That's, I guess, your, your zone on here. Uh, mm -hmm. Luke is currently taking children to the Magic Forest. Is that the one where people kill themselves? No, no, that's the one where you, you have to go that's through every forest in blindfolded Japan. maze. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, be. Luke and I work at the same school, and summer school has just continued on. It's like endless, so he was called into work early. We can't complain. They're taking us to Okinawa. You know, all expenses paid well, next month, so. You can't yeah. complain about your job at all in Japan, right? You can always find something to complain about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess you can complain on your podcast with like 30 listeners, but yeah. yeah. Uh, coming back from the Mission Log podcast, uh, he was here for Citizen Kane. Now he is here for Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, perfect bookends. Hi, John Champion. Unbelievable. Hi. It is a distinct pleasure to be here, to, to have those two films under my belt now for your show. Yeah, and I might be the um, I, I might be the B team on this one because uh, John, you worked on a, the the plans one through eight from outer space in Chicago. You said, yeah, yeah. The last play that I did in Chicago before I moved to L.A. was plans one through eight from outer space. Now I already loved this movie and I loved the whole story of Ed Wood. And in fact, I played Ed Wood for a couple of years at a different show um but then you fast forward a bit and uh my my love of plan nine landed me in plans one through eight and i'll drop this little bit of trivia bomb on you too um i have been inside quality studios in la where they shot the uh the studio scenes of this film so the the graveyard uh the cockpit um, trying to think what else was shot in there, but I've been on that hallowed ground, the uh, patio right between right between a transient hotel and a strip club, as it should be. Yes. <laughs> so is it is it quality? It is not. That is one of those ironic <laughs> names. 
uh andrew i know you've done some rod serling burlesque i, I imagine you might have done some edward burlesque somewhere out there uh no um my contribution to this thing will just be that i am uh the writer director of the movie space boobs in space and so I'm coming at it more from the uh, low budget filmmakers angle uh, for as someone who produced a film that uh, was almost universally hated uh, when it, during its stint on Amazon Prime. It was actually kicked off for um, poor customer experience. Oh, right. <laughs> that sounds wow. like that sounds like you have a, a problem with your refrigerator or something. You know, that's just what the email from Prime Video said. I'm just going by their terminology. <laughs> I'm blaming them on this. Thanks. I um, find it hard to believe because I just went to IMDb for Space Boobs in Space, and I haven't even seen it, and consider me a fan, okay? No, thanks. Uh, what's All the right. star rating currently on that one? Uh, let's see. You're rocking a 1.9 out of 10. Yo. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> well, right. yeah. Well, the funny thing is, I actually have done Edward Burlesque. I mean, I've I have done tech support for uh, Blastoff Burlesque, who's done several Edward related things. In fact, I have Glenn or Glenda matching candles that uh, I can't get to from here, but they are on a counter nice. looking at me right now. Nice. Right. And yeah, this one uh, is a three point nine, meaning it's not on the films and filth list. So I should explain a little bit about what we're doing briefly. Um, with the SAG and WGA strikes, we have no legal, we can do whatever we want. We can talk about Star Wars all day if we want or whatever. But, I you know, I felt one, it's cool to make a statement, right? Uh, because I do think that the directors and not the directors, the actors and writers are getting a bit of the shaft now with the streaming and we can throw in a little support. And two, uh, John, your, your podcast basically has to go on a little bit of a hiatus. So I felt weird asking you on for the love yeah. guru, sent you the link for the, uh, <laughs> you know, public domain. And you came right back with plan nine, which uh, of course in, in this camp is an instant. Yes. So, oh yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, it, it's a shame that the love guru isn't uh public domain, but we'll get to it one day. I feel certain. <laughs> Uh, but very happy to talk about Plan 9 in the meantime. And, and thank you for the accommodation. Right on. Um, well, this is a great, I mean, this is almost a perfect movie to do for this podcast because it kind of blew up the very conversation around what a quote-unquote bad movie is because mm. all of us remember when this was constantly called the worst movie ever made, which I never agreed with, but then the movie ed wood kind of blew that up and then on top of that all these other bad movies new generation of uh, quote-unquote bad movies came out that um you know it's it's we'll get into it it's pretty yeah. interesting to take this whole thing apart it's yeah. been a while since i watched this right probably 10 years or something and but watching it uh a few nights ago or whatever I did start to realize, oh, my God, I've seen this movie dozens of times. Yeah, um, so it's, yeah. it's and I can't remember when or where I first saw it. Um, it I think been. I saw it after seeing the movie Ed Wood, but I could be wrong about that. I no, know I saw Ed Wood. You and I watched it together. I'm sure we have. I, I just don't remember it the with, first time. We watched it with Dan. Okay. Maybe that was. I remember the, first the time. whole. I remember the whole trajectory. Okay, cool. So yeah, I just like 
it's one of those things where I'm like, oh my God, it's like Ghostbusters. I like have some of this dialogue memorized, which for me is an <laughs> extreme rarity on, on a movie. So, <laughs> uh, John, what was your first Plan 9 experience? I, you know, that's really hard to remember because a lot of things get, uh, get mixed up around that time that Ed Wood came out, which was around 95, 94, somewhere around there. And there was that mini explosion of Ed Wood. But even prior to that, you know, there was a lot of heavy merchandising of Vampira and just the imagery of Vampira and Tor Johnson from this movie. So I feel like it's one of those things that percolated back there in the pop culture for a while. And I must have caught it on TV somewhere or a film fest somewhere. But I, I think it, it, it takes center stage after Ed Wood came out and that, you know, made, made a much bigger deal out of it. Although, you know, I do remember now that I think of it, I, I do remember like getting that original uh, what the Raspberries Award book and, you know, they had a write up. And I know that I was familiar with the movie by then. Um, but, you know, very much to Mark's point, it's like we can really split hairs about what actually makes a bad movie bad and why this one is definitely not the worst bad movie ever made. Let's catch up, people. This is one where few people might listen to the podcast without having seen the movie. So uh, here is a summary for you. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about grave robbers from outer space? An old man's wife dies only to be reanimated after flying saucers fly by the cemetery. Soon the old man wanders into traffic, dies, and ends up as a second ghoul. Inspector Clay is on the case but he is quickly killed by the first ghouls to become a third ghoul. Meanwhile, commercial airline pilot Jeff Trent encounters the flying saucers, but is ordered not to speak of the incident, though he quickly spills the beans by telling his wife. The commander of the flying saucer, Eros, returns to his space station to confirm that Plan 9 is in effect, wherein dead humans are reanimated to do the alien's bidding. As worldwide chaos ensues, Jeff, his wife, and some officers return to the graveyard to, mm, to um, look around the graveyard. Eros kidnaps Jeff's wife, and Jeff boards the flying saucer to go after them. Eros explains that the aliens are trying to prevent humans from discovering Solaronite, Solaronite, a material so destructive that it can destroy the universe. They started by asking nicely, but the violent humans refused to even acknowledge their existence. Jeff shows them violence all right, attacking and knocking out Eros while also setting the interior of the saucer on fire. Jeff escapes with his wife, the saucer flies off only to blow up real good, and the ghouls break down into skeletons. Well, I guess we should assess the different parts of this movie and and decide if they're bad if, if it's a film it's a filth um so we'll start with the actors i i'd forgotten what a wonderful name uh dudley Manlove is one of the one of the i don't know if that's his real name or his stage name but it's one of the best names ever uh for sure <laughs> truly yeah uh that the, you couldn't make that up maybe he did make that up but now it's taken and nobody else can make it up again so good for him. R.I.P. Dudley Manlove. Something that struck me watching it this time is uh, it's like, oh, the acting in the movie is so bad. But it's kind of the contrast is needed. There's a few people here who are at least semi-professional, right? And 
can't even if the line is bad they sort of deliver the line and then there's the people who can't um taking the the pilot and his wife like i mean he's not great but he's he's you know obviously he's, he's acted a few times whereas she those eyes right she, i mean she probably has not um yeah <laughs> i feel like he gives this this type of performance where he looks really sad the whole movie which works so well it's like you can you don't even really have to depend on his uh delivery he just he's got that look like he's definitely <clears throat> got some uh leading man depth for lack of a better term well, see, the people you have to feel bad for are the ones who really took this seriously and thought, like, if I just make this one B movie, if I just stay working as an actor, then my next movie will be a hit. Like, then, then absolutely, I'm I'm going to be working with the big leagues after this. And a guy like Gregory Walcott playing Jeff, like, it, you know that that's what was going through his head the whole time. And he was just full of resentment for this entire experience. So many other people here, they were just along for the ride. And, and it, you know, even though Vampire uh, Milo Nurmi it didn't want to speak any dialogue, which is hilarious because the dialogue is kind of magical in this movie. Um, she she knows that it's all shtick because she'd been doing this shtick now for five years before this movie was made. So she gets it. And all she has to do is to show up and look cool. And it's just one more thing on the resume. But I have to feel bad for the ones who didn't understand the insanity of what Edward was doing. Yeah, it's kind of hard to pick up exactly where um, Tor Johnson reads on that particular spectrum. <laughs> Had forgotten how bad his English is. But he is a very, very scary corpse. <laughs> it's He's a wonderful corpse. And, and I love that his name is uh, Daniel Clay. In the movie, like, like they couldn't even give him a name. That I think Tor Johnson was he Hungarian? I can't remember what his actual background is. Like, just just give him a name that matches the <laughs> accent, because otherwise, like, oh yeah, Dan, you know, he's a San Fernando cop, born and raised like his dad in San Fernando Valley, and he comes on like, I am a big boy, Johnny. You can't. He's impenetrable. <laughs> Love it. It says he's Swedish. Uh, yeah, I think this is a tradition that continued. Swedish what was Schwarzenegger's character's name in Predator? He was like John America or something. Yeah, right. yeah I was like, exactly. Like, yeah, it just kept happening. Well, Commando is John Matrix. That's great. John was Matrix. Say, that, say, Matrix. The word Matrix could be Austrian. <laughs> yeah, there, well, you there you go. You California did have a governor with a heavy Austrian accent for a while. So yeah, or Johnson. You know, excuse me, Daniel Clay could be you know San Bernardino, born and bred, and. Johan Citizen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That would have been a cool one. Um, and then, of course, the, the most infamous, I guess, is Bella Lugosi not quite being in this movie. Um. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, he's a scary Dracula and a sad, a sad Dracula. I guess that's where, you know, the context of Tim Burton's Ed Wood does help a little bit. You know, it, it actually retroactively <laughs> adds some emotional depth to Lugosi being on screen, right? Yeah, otherwise, it definitely like, helps. This is just a goofy last role. And it's not it's not the worst of last roles, really. Um, what was it? I, I was just listening to people talking about some other last roles, like Clis Cr Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer, uh, his last role was like some terrible like uh cgi chinese animation dub 
So that's his last oh, role. No. Jimmy Stewart's last oh. role is uh, an American tale. Five goes west, you know. So, hey, wow. Plan Nine from Outer Space, not a bad last credit to have. <laughs> yeah, not too bad, and, and even more kind of sweet and fun when you do have that context from the movie or just you know in a biography of Bella or Ed Wood that they didn't shoot his footage with any plan. It was just like, I've got a camera. I've got this iconic actor. What does he want to do more than anything? He wants to be on camera. He wants to be working. Let's make him an actor again. So good. And I I think there is a more cynical way to chalk that up as exploitation. And there are a handful of people who said that uh, at the end that they, they weren't really friends and that Ed was pushing him just kind of uh, trying to trying to make a buck off of him. But there are a lot more people who say like, no, they, they genuinely were those friends and they genuinely did want to work together. So uh, let them have that. I mean, he gives them a lot in Bride of the Monster. Yeah, he sure does. Well, he was on set for that, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like a lot of that movie is Lugosi chewing scenery, which is like yeah. part of and, what makes it really fun. And yeah. I think my favorite, because honestly, I'm, if anyone wants to contest this, go ahead. I, I find Bride of the Monster like a little bit dull. I yeah, I think this Glenn is more fun. Yeah, I love yeah. Glenn or Glenda, and I love Lugosi just chewing up his, his little monologues in Glenn or Glenda. So that actually is my favorite Ed Wood. Um, in 2023, uh, this is probably not quite the right group of people to talk about that movie in depth, which is one of the reasons we're not. But you know. well, yeah, that's I would agree with that like order. I like Glenn or Glenda better than Plan Nine. I like Plan Nine better than Bride of the Monster. But you know. <clears throat> Glenn or Glenda, I think, also has a big long musical dance number in the middle of it too. So it's sort of that's padding time. Yes. So the movie is it not is padding time. Minutes. <laughs> uh, you yeah. you have to admire Plan Nine for being just so damned ambitious. It's basically it does about as much as Independence Day does, <laughs> with like a one point oh one percent of the budget. Yes. Hey, Andrew, I feel like your favorite's Orgy of the Dead. Am I wrong on that? You are not wrong about that. Okay. Oh, right. dude, I love that movie. Yes. Yeah, Um, a great deal of my movie, Dr. Humpenstein's Erotic Castle, was centered around the kind of framework of, or the structure, I should say, of, um, of Orgy of the Dead. Unless you've seen the movie, uh, both movies, you wouldn't necessarily know. Um, but I can remember all the cast who was going to be stripping in Humpenstein. Uh, we watched um, Orgy of the Dead together just so they can kind of know that the general demeanor of the actors in it. Because I I rarely have a vision for a film, but uh, Humpenstein was one where I was paying tribute specifically to the uh, 1950s and 60s movies. It was all shot in black and white, if you've seen it. And so, uh, yeah, we watched Orgy of the Dead and the cast really nailed those expressionless expressions on the dancers' faces. <laughs> nice. Ah, that's awesome. Do you have to think about what is the special sauce that goes into this? Is it ambition? Is it? I, I mean, I guess. I mean, we like like you said, we don't know how many people are actually having fun making this. Um, the guy Jeff well, probably was not with Will Kyle or whatever. I'm sorry, I. Uh, Jeff oh. is kind of too bland a name to have committed to memory. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it does a lot of things. Um, I think, honestly, the uh, the special effects look pretty cool. 
not even that's not even ironic. I think they look good. Um yeah, you use your resources, right? I guess it's the yeah, creativity. It's a coherent is... story, even if it's kind of a crazy story, but it's and maybe maybe a little over explained, but that's just how this type of movie usually works. But um you okay, sort the of over explanation is hilarious because yeah. just when you think they've run out of narration, <laughs> Criswell is just back at it again, just describing every <laughs> last moment on screen i found it very funny i had forgotten this that he wrote his own narration because he wow. liked his writing better than ed woods but the thing <laughs> is they're both so impenetrable they're both so, such bonkers uh, uh sentence structure and syntax it's hard to tell where one begins and the other one ends just knowing that the hero does on and some of his delivery I wonder if Criswell was just doing the Criswell character. Sadly, none of his original TV show exists anymore. But like the funniest thing to me in this movie, well, one among many, but one of the funniest things in this is um, when uh, when Vampira uh, comes back from the dead and the the narration switches into almost like a game show host mode. And he goes like, and the old man was doing it. And then his dead wife is like come on down delivery <laughs> changes and it's beautiful yeah one of the reasons i'm not a writer especially not for films or anything is i would write dialogue like this i'm pretty sure <laughs> I, I think this is how i would write dialogue it wouldn't sound natural i mean i you know the few times i have attempted to do writing i'm like, I, I can't tell a story. I can't do dialogue. I can write. I can write like an essay. You know, I'm not saying I'm, I am I have no writing skill, but yeah. yeah, I would. This would be exactly the dialogue I'd write, um, which is well, probably how it's funny about right that. I, I'm like you. I'm terrible at writing dialogue, but I can write, you know, uh, an article. I can write an essay, um, but I can't write dialogue to save my life. What's funny to me is that you have at least two people, Edward and Criswell, checking each other's work <laughs> because <laughs> if Criswell was reading this and saying like no 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 no, that's no good let me do my own that's at least two sets of eyeballs on these words and it's still as bad as it is <laughs> uh, yeah this uh it's really funny considering that i um also watched oppenheimer today so i'm this is also a movie about atomic bombs right basically <laughs> oh this is the cliff notes yes. version of oppenheimer yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. basically, yeah, everything you need is here, except for maybe communism. I, I have <laughs> yet to see that. As you may guess, they did not release that in Japan in August. Wow, interesting. Well, Actually, there is no very... release date yet in Japan. Yeah. So, um, I think that a Japanese person could watch it and not necessarily be offended. I'll say that much, but I sure as hell wouldn't want to be the person who was like, "Hey, why don't we release it here in Japan?" <laughs> you know right well the, there uh, was some barbenheimer controversy in japan because that did uh piss some people yeah. off <laughs> yeah i could understand why yeah um you know it's it's pretty long so it's probably best to watch it at home okay it's three hours mm, and end up taking a movie nap we did get a, a they did twice barbie they did release barbie here so that's okay so you, you can do that's, half it's better time. than oppenheimer anyways yeah know, that's i'm pretty sure i'm gonna like barbie ben. okay <laughs> but you know i'm i'm uh i've gone into this on this podcast a bunch i'm kind of mixed on christopher nolan because he's 
really into making all the characters the smartest guy in the room and then they pass around all their smartest guy in the room stuff and that's just what this is this is a military general is just as smart as oppenheimer and they they match wits all the time and i'm like okay Cool. I guess I can see that. Maybe Soderbergh does that sort of thing too. I was just rewatching Ocean's Eleven, where everyone's the smartest person in the room. <laughs> and along the and along the lines of like why I'm not a writer is that I'm afraid I would do that too. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm afraid this... I would make everything, you know, insufferable. So uh, yeah, Andrew. That mainly, means you're... oh, sorry, Mark. I was to say mainly I don't I don't want to be a writer because I don't like being alone with my thoughts in a room in a screen. <laughs> So Andrew, you're the only one here that regularly writes dialogue. Then you you want to tell us what your approach is? Is it influenced by this? Um, well, I think it's worth mentioning that Edward had, Edward had a background in theater, and you know he was an actor, and later was a novelist. You know, and so um, he's of tell don't show, and so that I think explains a lot of why um, Plan Nine came out. Uh, with very talky because he's, you know, visionaries that are obsessed with their, their um, world building. Right. And um, space boobs is a good example because um, what I didn't mention earlier is that D who plays the, the queen of the aliens in space boobs and is on the cover. She was the one that came up with all of the backstory about the alien race. She wrote a lot of that dialogue between them. Um, I think we ended up sharing uh, directing credit as well. I can't remember. Um, but she's a big fan of the Dune series and Alien and things like that that have a lot of lore behind them. And so I would never have written, been able to write that stuff. I can write people talking to each other. Like, that's easy. Just because you get two characters in a room together and, you know, that's that's it. For low-budget filmmaking, it's cheap. Words don't cost anything. <laughs> Uh, there was a thing I was thinking about watch rewatching this is that it feels it does feel realistic how all the characters argue with each other mm. <laughs> for for lack of a better you know there a lot of movies of this vintage um characters show up deliver exposition then someone either agrees with them or they disagree and it feels <laughs> a little wooden and this does the back and forth of this does feel realistic even if the aliens maybe turn it up a bit a bit high you know, when Harris is just like screaming, yeah, it's like get out of here. He's but, he's yeah. calling idiots this whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, it's fun. Eros and Eros Santana and the ruler are so high strung. Uh, like yeah. even though the ruler is trying to play it so cool, they're so on each other's last nerve the entire time. That was a great choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Whoever chose that, <laughs> yes. Yeah, aliens would be really. Uh, it's like they just let the costumes kind of uh, t lead them down that path. So I'm like, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll do but, the trick. As much as you know, I was just thinking, like, you know, I like Bill Murray. I like Bill Murray and Ed Wood. He's he's not as good as Eris in the original Plan Nine because it's just so insane. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I, I think we're supposed to just forget about Jeffrey Jones at this point anyway. But uh, Criswell yeah, have touch. He doesn't touch the real Criswell. You know. No, it's, yeah. it's it's too bad that that's who played him in the end. <laughs> well, right. <clears throat> None of us knew. No, no, of course. Yeah. Still a good movie. But yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Those, with the aliens in particular and, and Criswell, I'd say, yeah, it's like you can't recreate that. You know, there was uh, it, it may it might have been cylinders firing wrong, but it was like the correct cylinders firing 
wrong. And and hey, well, Earthling Earthlings are idiots, right? Well, I mean, some of you or all of you might disagree, but I think there was sort of a movement maybe in the, uh, I guess in the aftermath of Ed Wood, the movie, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, that some people were trying to make intentionally bad movies and they never worked right. Like you have to try, you know, there's no sincerity Um, there. The the mm-hmm. the one that sticks out in my head is unfortunately Blood Feast too, but there are others around that time. But yeah, it's like it's not like Herschel Gordon Lewis's fault necessarily, but everyone who was in that movie was trying to to be bad. Yeah, you can't explain to Ed Wood why someone would make a terrible film on purpose. He would not. It wouldn't compute. Yeah, yeah. you y- y'all are preaching to the choir here. I mean, uh, I. I feel the same way about that, like the the sincerity of a bad movie, because you are not setting out to make a bad movie. You are setting out to make the best movie you possibly can for that incredibly low budget and lack of talent surrounding you. Um, but I, I, mean, I look feel at the look same... at ba- look. Oh, sorry, John. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say one of the reviews of Space Boobs just said, uh, "You're bad at this." Um, you should not make another movie. And um, I don't give a shit about that, right? Because like, <laughs> right. <laughs> nobody's going to see whatever movie he makes, right? But right. the thing is, we tried. It was hard. Making movies is fucking hard. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't say that, can I? You yes, you can. Just did. Okay. This is a it's, fucking it's podcast. Really, it's, okay. it's, really, it's really hard to do. And yeah. you have to love what you're doing. Your heart has to be in it. And... Um, Everybody that's that was alive when um, being interviewed for that Plan 9 companion documentary said that Ed was just a very high energy, charming and inspiring person. You wanted mm-hmm. to uh, make a movie for him. You wanted to do your best for him. Um, you know, like, not unlike a Kermit the Frog type figure. And th- that's yeah. uh, that's the whole reason why uh, movies like Space Boobs and Bad Girl Dracula and Ariola Jones and all the other ones I've done, um, nobody's making money. No one's going to get famous. They just like, yeah. it's energizing yeah. uh, to um, be involved with something where it's like, it's like being a manager. You have to make people want to do a good job. And um, by all accounts, that's what Edward did. I think that's why that, that is so well said. And I think that's why the movie Ed Wood is so necessary to watch like even if you're not just watching it because of how ironically funny plan nine is just because ed wood is a movie i i think it really reveals something to the audience who doesn't give a second thought about the differences between a good movie and a bad movie versus a sincere movie it is really hard work and there is so much blood, sweat, and tears that goes into making even a quote-unquote bad movie. But you have to understand the why and understand the passions involved. Like uh, I absolutely will rail against movies that are so-called parodies that are terrible. We had a string of them in kind of the late 90s and early 2000s, like superhero movie and epic movie and whatever. And they were all awful because you could tell how cynical they were about just cranking something out and not getting the joke, not caring about the material compared to movies like 
you know, the, the two airplane movies or top secret or whatever, you know, you could argue all day long, like which of those is better than the other and uh, which one you like better or whatever. But those movies are done by people who absolutely love the source material. And those jokes are crafted because they care about the jokes and they care about that relationship with the audience. Um, those later movies, they're literally just made to fill time and to very cynically make a buck. Um, and those aren't any fun at all. This, say what you will about Plan 9, it is fun from beginning to end, partly because you're just trying to figure out how it happened at all, but also partly, I think, because I feel like I'm pulling for everybody on screen. I've seen it so many times. I know exactly what's going to happen from shot to shot. But each time, like, I'm pulling for them. <laughs> like, act your heart out. You're terrible, but act your heart out, <laughs> you know? Um, also well said, but I was thinking this. I'm sure Mark was also uh, cringing <laughs> at the was, fact that we're that going, not to going to have to watch five of these. <laughs> See? Bitches. See? Because they're all yeah. terrible. Yeah. It's... <laughs> But yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said, John. It's like the thing I keep going back to is that Airplane is an airport movie. Uh, Blazing Saddles is a Western. Mm -hmm. Spaceballs mm -hmm. is not even close to the worst Star Wars movie. You know, it's mm -hmm. just... Yeah, um, right. They make that, And this is a sci-fi movie, whether, whether people uh, appreciate the approach or not. And also... Damn, if uh, Edward doesn't have a great eye for horror in this, because yeah, there's some genuine scary stuff in this, which and there are jokes too. Let's not forget yeah. some of it is intentionally funny. Yeah. yeah, I would throw up Black Dynamite as being a slightly more modern one that works. I mean, that one's pretty yeah. much a black exploitation film. Uh, oh, it, it's yeah. great. Yeah, I, I loved yeah. um a few years ago. I saw an article on. on um, I don't even remember what, but it was like, you know, 10 movies you never could have seen in theaters, right? Like legendary movies. And I was like, I've seen half of these in theaters because it was like <laughs> a list of Black Dynamite and like Moon and Master Anonymous yeah. and Orgasmo. I'm like, I've seen all of those. Yeah, yeah we saw all those. I can remember yeah. I've seen all these. What the hell? I guess well, maybe uh, they were in a different, a smaller town. They know. had very limited runs, I think. Although I was surprised Moon did. I thought that had a, a bigger run, but apparently it did. Yeah. Definitely uh -huh. remember seeing that uh, in like a regular mm -hmm. theater. Me too. Same here, Black Dynamite too. So uh, maybe that maybe they yeah. just didn't do their their journalism right. But um... maybe it was written by <laughs> AI, and that's why we have to stop it. And it was like ten years ago, but you you never know, do you? Bad AI from ten uh, years ago. Well, let's. Um, I mean, I th I think all of us love this movie. It's that's pretty clear yeah. but let's talk about the bad things we like the best i mean there's the notorious <laughs> cemetery you know shaking the, the cardboard uh headstones uh that's mm. that's one thing the one i got this time and um this is this is something andrew and i did as kids uh where we made a, a movie which was the day the earth went bald where i played a mad scientist and and two kids just grab the guns and like go out to this guy's house right like mm -hmm. just what you do, you pick up guns and you go to the house. And I was watching last night where um, the police are just handing out guns like they're candy before they go to the cemetery. It's like, <laughs> here, take this. Oh, you'll need this. You know, after giving it to him, do you know how to use it? <laughs> yeah, and they're oh, gesturing with the guns, pointing them at each other. Oh, yes. Like, uh, yes, you know, yes which... like, holsters weren't invented yet. So people just carried them around back then. Right. Yeah. You know, cowboys didn't have yeah. holsters. <laughs> Holsters but, are not in the budget. 
anyway, that that was my you you know you find something new each time you watch, and of course I've noticed that before, especially the pointing. But it never, I guess this watch is when it was like, wait a minute, cops don't just tan Joe Schmo a gun, yeah, <laughs> even in the fifties. I don't know. Uh, that's, what, things... that's how we got in the mess we're in now. They yeah. just kept handing out guns. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that I notice is just that things that any low budget filmmaker will, would would be like, oh god. And it's because they just don't have it. They just, he just didn't have, it doesn't cut. Um, there's certain things that he just couldn't film, unfortunately. And he did his best to try and cover some of that up too. You know, he didn't have a scene of Vampira attacking those two old men. Um, mm-hmm. He, there was a lot of things where he just had to, you know, they always say uh, if you, um, it's it's some, some saying about using narration to explain things that you can't afford or don't have you know it's like fix it with the narration like the fix it and post kind of thing um jump cuts also within a shot um you don't ever want to have that if you can help it um but some things just didn't cut for whatever reason so um most of when i watch it and i cringe is just because i i know like what it's like to be missing something after you shoot and not being able to go get it back and really trying to figure out how to cover it up. And it's easier with nonlinear editing and access to stock footage and all that stuff now to fix a lot of those holes. Um, so when I, when I cringe at plan nine, um, it's more of just as a fellow no budget filmmaker going like, damn, man, I know you, you would rather have had this shot or that shot, but you just didn't have it. Right. The, the really obvious one is Bill Lugosi walking off and then getting hit by a car off screen. Oh, I know. <laughs> that's the, that's, that's in, the big in that one. Case, you know, that's just fun because of. The yeah, context. no, I mean, I have had many different things happen. People flake out. Um, Matt and I have replaced an, an, an actor who shot half the film and we had to figure out how to replace him with another actor and have it make sense. But having your star of your movie which by and large, Bela Lugosi was the biggest star of Plan 9 from Outer Space and a total get uh, to have him die so early in the production. I can't imagine what that must have been like. You know, it's not like they like, can fix him Brandon Lee style. You know what I mean? Well, it's like the rise of Skywalker. Yeah, that's exactly what this movie's like. Uh, Matt, do you remember that movie that we do you remember that movie we filmed? that uh mike lithcott directed where we filmed the entire movie and then uh he spent overnight was supposed to copy it from one vcr to the other oh, and, and he erased it he erased the entire thing so we remade oh, the entire no. film without you because you couldn't come back because you were not yeah that I, mark that was the one where you cut me with an axe i was a serial killer in it yeah i, I know but he gave you a real axe and it clipped my elbow and i bled like a <laughs> oh, bastard it didn't hurt sorry though. No, that's well, you that had like a bag over your head. Yeah, I did. <laughs> he gave you a mask you couldn't see out of and a real axe and told you to go at me. <laughs> I, I always I always felt like it wasn't it was really wrong the fact that he replaced Matt in the film after he was the one who erased the film by mistake. I, d- yeah. I, d- I remember anyway. you mentioning this on the podcast before, and I have like no memory of doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have the only copy and I don't want anyone to see it. Oh my oh, okay. god. But Danielle Lowry's in that movie, isn't she? Maybe. Yeah, I guess I should. Uh, I should. She's the one who says, "Bring me my wine, red." I don't. I don't remember that line. But anyway, oh my yeah, God. I, guess I, should. I, I remember, don't remember this I movie. I think about it a lot. No, it's good. <laughs> Mark, you should. It. You should, man. 
because um you know danielle's gosh she died in 2016 i think so it'd be cool it was longer ago than that but yeah her role yeah i'll uh, i'll do that um it's just oh yeah, sorry <laughs> i'm not i'm not avenging matt's unappearance in the film in that case but you know I, i'm not because i don't remember it <laughs> John, what's your favorite bit of badness in Plan oh, Nine? Since we're looking there, at that, so much lovely badness. I I love that there is no attention paid whatsoever to the differences between night and day, um, in all the cemetery scenes. If you're in the studio shots, it's black as night, and as soon as somebody takes, you know five steps away and you cut to the exterior it's it's daylight and they don't care and funerals are held at night mostly apparently That's yeah that makes them creepier thing yeah yeah <laughs> um i love the furniture in this movie because i love that the the ruler has his very standard like 1940s 50s kind of office furniture and then the the curtains in his area and then you get to the interior of the spaceship which by the way it just makes no sense it's like very tall squared off you know right angle walls um below this flying saucer the sleek flying saucer and the furniture in there is just like they don't they don't even borrow the ruler's uh office furniture for that it's just work tables, just workbenches made out of wood. And there's a prop, though, that keeps making it from the ruler's office to the spaceship. And that is a little uh, like a traffic construction safety light. And it's about, uh, oh, say about six inches diameter, you know, round piece of uh, plastic. And then below that, a big, big battery pack. Um, and I guess those things haven't changed since 1956, because I remember in the 90s, a friend of mine stole one off of a uh, construction area and I, I've got it. And I'm, now I just think like, wow, that is that that is like an authentic looking prop from Plan 9 from outer space. And that thing just kept making it from shot to shot because, like, well, it, it lights up. Somebody turn on the light. <laughs> We're about to roll. That's brilliant. Um I I love the I love the inconsistency and incomprehensible nature of the alien plan. It's like this movie is all about the plan, right? They have gone yeah. through eight plans that didn't work. They've arrived at the ninth plan, which is super important. I have no idea what this plan is meant to do at all. <laughs> Nobody bring, does. Bring three all. people back to prove to stop people on earth from denying the existence of aliens so they will not develop the uh solanite bomb is that what it is i believe Sol you mean solarite, uh, solarite or solomonite or solanite they solarite. say it so many different Dolomite. ways in the movie <laughs> Dolomite. i freaking love it <laughs> yes and it's like it almost makes sense that part of the plan but <laughs> the rest of it doesn't like yes, yes no good stop people from developing bombs great idea and we're gonna do it by bringing <laughs> the dead back to life yeah. maybe I, so he just, it totally made sense to me maybe he <laughs> just didn't have the vocabulary for zombie apocalypse yet right <laughs> right, yeah. right. Well, no, yeah. people aren't gonna aren't going to listen to them and they don't want to save themselves so um, they're going to make some mindless folks that's going to do the job for them. They're just going to take I mean, over the planet because well, 
but, for but eleven years before Night of the Living Dead. But there's yeah. sort of like a like a sub plan. There's like Plan Nine A in this movie. <laughs> where they're like, okay, well that didn't quite work. So so send the old man back and then decompose him in front of people because that'll Go something on. that'll. <laughs> I mean, the supreme leader is nuts. He's he's just crazy. He's like, no, here here's what we do. <laughs> None of this makes any damn sense. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, like sort of, um, you know, hair pulling over whether aliens exist or not, which just seems to be much more what the film is about than the actual plan itself. Yeah, it's like it's very topical. Argue. Right? Yeah, we just had I mean, some. Now uh, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So plan one is the day the Earth stood still, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, well, that didn't work. Well, you know. <laughs> it was originally <laughs> called Grave Robbers from Outer Space, which nobody really grave rob robs either, I guess. Rob the body from the grave. Plan yeah, eight, I guess that's fair. <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> plan seven. Grave Robbers from Space probably is a better title. Just how uh, I, I stand by, you know, yeah. Biohazard is a better title for Resident Evil as they use it in Japan. Yeah. And Wild Speed is definitely better in the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. That's cool. Very uh, cool. So the new one is, um, oh, hold on. I actually picked up the last movie um, used, uh, not the one in the theater, the one before it. So it's called The Fast Saga Jet Break in Japan. So, yo, that's yeah. so Whoa, jet break. <laughs> so they there have more awesome titles here. So Grave Robbers from Outer Space is I am going to stand by that. That's the more awesome title. Um, I, just, I think just that would have been alphabetically next to so many other movies that start with the word grave. And there aren't a whole lot of movies that start with the word plan. OK, I that's, guess that's, that's good marketing, that's I guess. Good as I could because I could do. Yeah, I was going to say and, just. Just two things to uh, since we've had our 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 fun of the bad. Uh, two things that I definitely don't think we blame Ed Wood for is the use of stock footage, which even the Ed Wood movie kind of makes fun of that. I'm like, why not? That makes perfect yeah. sense. That's smart. People use it all uh -huh. over the place now. Koyana Scotsy. I mean, <laughs> there's, some use of, <laughs> there's some use this... of stock footage. <laughs> yeah. Um, this film, uh, honestly, some of the the shots of vintage Hollywood are great. Yeah. Um, it, some of those are just fantastic. Uh, seeing businesses that you know, some of them that still do exist, and some that are long gone. Uh, but that that was just really fun after living here for a while to see that stuff captured so perfectly. At the Brown Derby, is that in the movie? I think it is. Yeah. And uh, all, all three networks are represented. You had ABC, yep. NBC. CBS, that was really yeah. The NBC very prominent. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like those yeah. Hitchcock movies. We get we get to um, enjoy the cool society we built. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes that just makes for a cool background. I, um, I was going to use those Hitchcocks just to shore up Bedwood as a director a little bit more because we recently did North by Northwest and Vertigo. Of course, both great movies, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. for some reason, watching them this time around, I just noticed so much more. This is day for night. This is shot on location. This is shot in the studio. This is real project, rear mm -hmm. projection. Like it was all just like, I was like, okay, this is Hitchcock. And I don't know what, maybe it's because I'm watching it from like a critical lens, but I'm starting, starting to like see all the filmmaking tricks, I guess, for some reason watching it this time around. So I'm like, eh, I can't, yeah. I can't really slam Ed Wood if I can see it in Vertigo too. <laughs> I was, uh, I was clearly seeing Hitchcock's midlife crisis casting 
much older men with younger women and have having it be weird. <laughs> That's why I was noticing this time. No, he was gross. Yeah, there was something about um I don't know. Listen to those episodes. I'm sure that I'm about I was about to repeat something I already said. Okay. <laughs> um I am curious what what if you can share a few of plans one through eight with us. Uh I'd be curious as to what those are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's been a while since we did the show, and I, I can't give away all of it because, honestly, I really want that show to get restaged at some time. Um, I think we did it in, it must have been 2009, because I moved here in 2010, uh, early 2010. And um, I do recall that there was something that had to do with Eros trying to uh, gain the sympathies and help of Fidel Castro. And uh, that ended in like a mafia style uh, execution because uh, it had something to, I, that happened. And then there was a whole thing about uh, Tana becoming a TV talk show host to try to convince, you know, middle America about whatever the alien plan was going to be. So those were at least two that I know happened. And then the beauty of it is that Sean Harkle wrote, who wrote the play, huge fan of the movie so he he knew that people coming to see this show would already be fans of plan nine or fans of ed wood so he wove dialogue and scenes from plan nine into plans one through eight so it was like all the missing stuff that didn't happen on screen in plan nine it was all the other conversations that eros and tana we're having with uh, with the ruler in order to come up with what their next plan would be. And I'm very, so I played Eros and I was just, I, I was so happy that Sean made sure it stayed in the script that you see, you're stupid, stupid minds, that that kind of thing stayed in the show because it had to, you can't do that show without having that. Um, so yeah. And we had Vampire and we had Tor Johnson and um, we had a lot of actors playing multiple roles. And uh, honestly, it was one of the one of the most fun shows and total experiences that I ever had in Chicago theater. So thank you, New Millennium Theater Company and Sean for writing that play. OK, that's awesome. that's a, I think that's a teaser we were looking for anyway. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. It reminds me of Evil Dead the musical where they took the three Evil Dead movies and wrote them into one story. And I was like, nice. oh, God, <laughs> that actually is genius. <laughs> like, yeah, it makes sense. Because they're all sort of yeah. remakes and, you know, adding more to the story with each sequel. And yeah, finally, they just made like the kick-ass mixtape version of all three movies. But yeah. Yeah, the music wasn't that great, unfortunately. Wow. You're really only making two movies, though, when you do that. Well, <laughs> evil Dead, Evil Dead, please stab the evil in its head, something like that. Mark, that would be, have been better. Oh, well. <laughs> now, Reanimator, the musical, on the other hand, was amazing. Okay. I, I how, haven't seen the musical version of anything. How should no? we qualify... <laughs> That's not a very interesting thing to say. This, this <laughs> anyway. good music. Is there a musical for this? There probably should be. Um, <laughs> I think there has to be, right? Be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you want to call this? We got films, we got filth. You can create new terms based on those two words. Uh I may I guess I'll go and just call it a filth masterpiece. 
Hmm. A master elevated, elevated filth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Plan Nine got a musical in 1995. Okay. Yes, it, it must have. <laughs> anyway, I mean, look, I, I'll just come right out and say that it, it is the Citizen Kane of bad movies. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, we can it do really that. Is. Yeah, um, I mean, think about it. This is an auteur at work again with uh, with Ed Wood doing what he does best, which is to say the worst. And um, it, it is this movie does not do what actual bad movies do, which bore the crap out of you. This movie is not boring. It is infinitely fun. It is very rewatchable. And a truly bad movie does not have those qualities. So I, I, I yeah, it, it, if it, if it has to fall in the category of bad movies, it is the best of the bad movies. Andrew, what term do you want to put on this? I, I think film. And I would also say classic film. Um, <laughs> this movie would not exist without two things. Edward's love for film and Edward's love for Bela Lugosi. The thing is, when a, a the star of a movie would die that early in production, well, that production would recast or just shut down completely. But he had the last footage of one of Hollywood's icons, of one of fantasy film's icons. And so, what kind of what kind of end to a career would that be if he threw it all away? In some other universe, they did throw it away, and we wouldn't be talking about this at all. So I think that um, the fact that he loved movies so much, and he loved Bela so much, that he completely MacGyvered something so that his final footage would exist is just beautiful. As a movie fan and filmmaker, I can think of no better tribute and no better like emblem of the spirit of filmmaking from its earliest days. So it is to me a, a classic. I guess part of the Bravo bummer is that. Yeah. One, one of the bummers here, though, is from this point on, uh, again, Orgy of the Dead's made after this, but, you know, Edward's career and it seems his life went into decline, which is makes it a, a you know, a little bittersweet watching this. And that's, uh, uh, again, in the Tim Burton movie, that's kind of the dramatic crux of it, right? Like this, this is the pinnacle. And it is a pinnacle of a, of a certain kind of film, right? But, you know, yeah there's no real follow-up so that's always a little bit of a bummer and with the highs of a personality like ed you also get the lows and you add alcohol to that um and and cocaine and you know what have you of his vices um and it is yeah it is sad but um when we have plan nine and that's the movie he's known for um for that to be you know his artistic peak that's nothing to be ashamed of. It's something that, well, I don't need to say it. It should be celebrated because it has been. Um, what is, I, I did read it like 15 years ago. He wrote a like how to make it in Hollywood book and I cannot. Oh, Hollywood rat race. Yeah. yeah. I think I borrowed awesome your copy book. of it. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Um, God, it was, it. you know, what's great about that is that he's telling you how to make a good movie. He's telling you how Hollywood works. It's a instructional book on how to break into film by Ed Wood. 
it's just the coolest and it's it's a really light read it's, <laughs> it's tiny i'm i'm betting the novelization is uh orgy of the dead probably is longer than hollywood <laughs> and i will give his prose is a lot more readable than you than his dialogue would be so it, it is a readable <laughs> book so it's, yeah it's, it's a how-to 138 pages Written in 1965, so nice. roughly 10 years after this. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. And y'all can't see it, but I have a huge uh, Tor Johnson uh, painting on the wall that's done on a, a like a it's painted on a wooden frame. Uh, a guy nice. named Eddie yeah. at the Athens Library gave it to me, but it is uh, it's on my Instagram somewhere. But um, and then I've got Vampira poster just above my desk the plan line poster uh, i wish that i, I could edit. share with you the uh the giant original oil painting of vampire that i had uh in here but i uh oh. I, I lost it in divorce shall we say oh, <laughs> so man. it is no longer gracing my walls uh and if any of you hang out at, if any of you hang out at the star bar my friend jane is there often and she's got a huge tattoo on her upper left arm of vampire Hmm. very cool yeah i well my friends who do splatter cinema who may or may not show up on this podcast somewhere down the line made an animatronic tor johnson out of uh i can't remember they made it out of like a car wash gorilla or something but they made it into oh, that's an awesome. animatronic tor johnson for a wow. screening we did years ago i think it was a screening of the film ed wood but i can't remember but yeah it was uh wild it was just sitting outside of seven stages for the whole weekend wow I have a 10-star review here. I guess I'll read. Um, Go for yeah. it. Amazing film. It should be seen at least nine times a day. I'm going <laughs> to leave off I'm going to leave off the name because it sounds like someone's real name. But uh, oh, since yeah. this was called the worst ever made in the Golden Turkey Awards, academics and others with nothing to do all day have been debating if Plan 9 is the worst film ever made. Ignoring the awful SFX, which turned paper plates into something that vaguely looked like they might be hubcaps, the facts that those actors who could act forget how to and those that uh, excuse me and those that those cast members who couldn't act tried to act worse the odd time problems between day and night the fact that one of the lead dies three years before production started and his replacement an unemployed chiropractor is two feet taller had different color hair i could go on but i may miss the important bit which is why plan nine is not the worst film ever made it's fun the sheer awfulness of plan nine means it becomes a good film for a giggle as you're watching it Start the, uh, starting at the start, when the narrator says, my friend, you are all interested in the future, for it is where we'll be spending the rest of our lives. Then a minute later, the narrator tells us the whole thing takes place in the past, and no, you should see it. Hopefully somebody like Disney Plus might pick up the rights and we could have a prequel series telling us what plans one to eight were. And John, you get a phone call to make there. <laughs> Meanwhile, know, see right. plan nine, you'll enjoy more, even more each time. Zero out of zero found this helpful. <laughs> oh, unfair. Zero. There was uh, some grammatical issues in there, which you could hear me hitting as I read it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's pretty much what we said about the film. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to go helpful that that review. There okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll give, do that since I got my iPad in my hand here. <laughs> <laughs> there... it, it, it's it, it's entirely too easy to just say this is a bad movie i mean look here we are in 2023 talking about this movie and it, it's been discussed and written about and repackaged so many times 
that I, I, I can only think that Ed Wood would be very pleased <laughs> to know that this movie has the legs that it has. A bad movie would have been forgotten when it came out in 1959. Uh, but this one clearly has not been. I'm yeah, gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go, go hot take a little bit uh, from from this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, I think I've said a few come times, out and attack the movie now. No, 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 no. I'm attacking a different movie. Um, <laughs> no, no. I'm, I, the the real sin of a film is being boring, right? And yeah. and dragging on and on. And uh, at least Mark's on this train. When we did Once Upon a Time in America a few weeks ago for this, we did not like it. None of us liked it nearly as much as probably Plan 9. Um, mm. I'm curious what everyone else's thoughts are on that one, because we, we pretty much dr- put, threw that one under a bus. Uh, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in America, many very highly regarded. So uh, does anybody want to rebuttal <laughs> on that? I'm curious. <laughs> That's slightly hardly regarded. Oh, the was that the De Niro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the 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 only one. Yeah. My God, no, dude, that's like a what four hour movie? Twelve like hours. That? Yeah. Oh my God, dude, forget it. No. Okay. No. It's no. A, no it's no. a fart in a jar. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I honestly don't remember that movie very well. So that a that should tell you something right there, you know. Um, I I, I just yeah, it, it's just kind of slipped my mind. Uh, and I'm not saying like a that period I need to piece. Go yeah. No. Um, time and I, I do time. remember that if you guys have the DVD of Plan Nine that came out a while back that has the documentary on it, Flying Saucers Over Hollywood, which is great. Um, and they. I think it was made late 90s, early 2000s, and the filmmaker who uh, sadly has passed um, went to a lot of the original locations and he went to quality studios and all of that stuff. But I think it's in that documentary that he interviewed John Waters and John Waters mm-hmm. said, of course, Plan 9 isn't the worst movie ever made. The worst movie ever made is Sophie's Choice. <laughs> they just move on from there. I think those of us, especially those of us who've judged film festivals, have seen way. Oh yes. yeah, you can imagine. Yeah. It ate it yeah. ate me out up. It ate me up inside and hollowed me out to uh watch all this cynical crap that people sent in. And the thing is, I could probably count the number of quote unquote bad movies that were actually fun on like two hands because there weren't a whole lot of those. And uh, a couple of those got vetoed by other people. I remember one that was just called Guts with a Z. And it was just like people just running through an alley shooting zombies, exploding into crappy looking blood. And it was just great. But uh, nobody wanted to show it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I had yeah, a friendship, but... a long term friendship ended over the fact that I nominated a dog for one of the acting awards at a film festival I was a judge on. He hasn't <laughs> spoken to me since. Yeah, film festivals are the some of the worst circle jerks that mm-hmm. exist on this earth, and I am uh, going to stop my rant there because I have scored a film that's currently playing in film festivals. But really, <laughs> well, speaking as oh one who this is God. my fifteenth year programming my own festival here in Athens, I mean, um, there's a reason why I curate it rather than have submissions. 
dude yeah if you're gonna circle jerk you might as well just do it by yourself in front of people <laughs> so to speak i am saying you're thinking like i'm like okay i would have seen bad movies and film festivals and the one that came to mind is like oh that was bad and i was like oh but i remember it so that must mean it wasn't that bad which was it was a couple um hiking through a gorge five minute film where one of them says isn't it gorgeous and the other one says it back. <laughs> the other one says it back, like, oh, it's the gorgeous. It goes on for five minutes. At the end, they're just like convulsing on the ground, like gorgeous and stuff. It was, oh, so I'm like, I guess that wasn't bad because I, so I remember it. That's so good. No, here in Athens, we have a thing called Bad Movie Night. And without fail, every movie they show is something I really love. Yeah, I think I and saw you posting about that. Which which movie was it? Most um, recently, Mystics in Bali. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that movie rules. That movie oh my rules god! So <laughs> and so there was a so sick. there was there's a guy there was a guy not the people that organized it but there was a guy sitting there and they showed a uh, Rats Night of Terror by Bruno Mattia before. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. They're about to show Slugs, and so um, there's people sitting there making jokes to each other, and I'm like, you've no idea how much better this movie is than you. <laughs> the only time i go. came down on the side of the hecklers was uh splatter cinema did nightmare on elm street 2 and people were very annoyed at how many hecklers there were and i don't think that movie's very good but <laughs> uh, you know that that is open interpretation well i will always contend that jason goes to hell was much better because of the heckling <laughs> oh oh my god i saw that in a movie theater where people were literally standing on their seats yelling and it was sold I think out you and i went uh was it cnn center that. yeah it was insane <laughs> um, but the but that movie is also good i mean if some people think it's bad i think it's good i think it's good in all the ways that nightmare on elm street 2 is not good which is yeah. nightmare on elm street 2 is is super hyper minimalist freddy movie and <laughs> jason goes to hell is like let's just make him a creature that goes inside people yeah by the way um just this kind of dovetails back. I was not trying to be edgelordy asking about Once Upon a Time in America. I want someone to describe to me why it's good. <laughs> I've like, never that before. In there's some a, reviews that I've written, I've asked I, that. There's a big issue with that movie that's, I mean, edgelords might think there's things about that movie that edgelords might really like, which is kind of difficult. Yeah, I don't to, want to uh, edgelord to explain why it's good to me. I want, I want, I want to. No. Film, film an actual fan. I want that about hellraiser 3 and dr giggles because there's fan bases out there for those movies and i many times as i've watched those i just don't i can't get on the train yeah there's a definite appreciation for hellraiser 3 and 4 that's renewed or a new appreciation or appreciation that didn't exist before that i do not understand because yeah. even though event horizon is pretty flawed movie i think it's a much better hell space hellraiser than hellraiser 4 is Oh, Andrew blanked into yep. a photo. Okay, that's cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess we will wind this one down as as the time is stretching along. I was about to ask Andrew to, to do his thing, but is is do we still have a audio there? Wow, I hear something. Oh, I I think he's uh, he's talking to the to the missus or something. So, um, oh, okay. I guess John, tell us what's up because I'm curious to know what's up. <laughs> tell you what's up in my life uh well if you want to or with, with plug, your podcast plug your life plug your work <laughs> yeah, plug yeah. anything 
I well, in my life uh, right now, Mission Log is taking a little bit of a hiatus because of the strike, um, and that's fine. It gives us time to focus on some new stuff, uh, which will be coming very shortly. But Trek Files continues because that's just behind the scenes. It's not you know a companion or rewatch show. And uh, our live show will take a little bit of time off again until the um, until the strike is settled. But we may pop in every now and then with some special episodes with guests. So to find out all of that stuff and to follow us, go to podcast.roddenberry.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Mission Log Pod. So, um, yeah, that's that's what's happening. All right. Ruby, Andrew, how are you gonzoing? When does this come out? Uh, next week, pretty soon. Oh wow! Okay, goodness. All right. So, um, right now, uh, my movie Zombikini will premiere uh, November seventeenth and eighteenth at uh, Athens Cine Theater, downtown beautiful Athens, Georgia, and uh, we'll do a premiere live stream um, that Sunday the nineteenth, nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Gonzerific YouTube channel. My first ever book. A uh, work of nonfiction called Everybody's, which contains interviews and photography, comes out December the 1st. And I'm thinking probably the book launch will happen somewhere in 2024, first quarter. All and right. you can get my latest movie, Jugsaw, by going to gonzorific.com. G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. And uh, yeah, Three Hole Punch is on that one. Haunted Hotcakes is on that one. Uh, really good, fun stuff. Uh, boobs, butts, nice. vomit, monsters. They, boobs, I'll keep vomit, monsters. <laughs> I'll keep ours short today since we have so much going on. Just to, uh, if you want to help films and filth keep the lights on with Patreon, we are at Podcastio Podcastius on Patreon, where you get episodes early with a little extra banter and so forth. Since Luke, since Luke is still in the magic forest as we're recording this, uh, he does Luke Loves Pokemon, Hyrule Field Report about the Zelda games, and Game Game Show about games. Huh. Okay. And coming soon, coming very soon, we have uh, Podcast 1999. Might as well just say it since it's coming really soon. Oh, yeah. The, of the... course, that releases on uh, September 13th. Uh, John, you're already on one of the episodes, so we'll be Heck yeah. in the future. We, yeah. we already saw you there in the well, future. Future events yeah. such as those will affect me in the future. So thank well, you. Future is where we are to spend the rest it, of our lives. Yeah. It is time travel. I regularly quote Criswell at the end of classes, by the way. <laughs> I'll see you in the future for that's where we're spending the rest of our lives. They don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, the a deep podcast I do for work. I quote Criswell at the end of it all the time. Okay, let's Thanks. hear a little more Criswell then. I predict within 10 years, you will live in a push-button world. Piles upon piles of human bodies will be heaped in our thoroughfares as a warning. I predict within 10 years, you will live in a push-button world. Piles upon piles of human bodies will be heaped in our thoroughfares as a warning. I predict full medical attention by venting. Having a heart transplant, a hair transplant, or even a brain transplant by venting.